Hello, and welcome to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. Some years ago, I used to belong to a very small food co-op, consisting of about 10 people who wanted to buy foods that were not easily available at the local grocery store. This was when tofu, basmati rice, miso, and organic carrots were not sold in the local grocery store. The co-op was run by a man who was connected to a food distributor. He would buy the items the group wanted in bulk. Each person would pay for the items they wanted. Once a month, the food arrived in large bins and boxes, and each member could get what they'd paid for. It was a way to get what used to be called, and I'm using air quotes, health foods. I don't know whether that type of food co-op still exists in my town, especially since all those items are available in almost any grocery store. But in Austin, Texas, close by, there's a grocery store called the Wheatsville Co-op. I first went to the original Wheatsville many years ago, and recently they opened a new store that was a bit closer to me. The co-op, like the one I belonged to many years ago, is owned by the shoppers, who have a say in many of the decisions made at the stores. Unlike the small co-op I belong to, you don't have to be an owner to shop there. In this program, we enter the world of the food co-op and find out why people choose to belong and what benefits the co-op brings to its owners and to the community. I visited one of the Wheatsville co-op stores and met the head grocer. He tells me he works for the board of directors on which sit some of the owner shoppers of Wheatsville. I'm here with Dan Gelati, who is the chief executive grocer at the Wheatsville co-op here in Austin, Texas. I'd like to welcome you to Mothering Earth uh, and invite you to give us a picture of what the Wheatsville Co-op is. Wheatsville Food Co-op is a consumer cooperative, a natural foods grocery store uh, here in Austin, Texas. We have two stores. Uh, we have a wide variety of uh, fresh products, produce, and uh, humanely, humanely raised uh, meat, and, uh, sustainably harvested seafood, and uh, a deli with prepared foods that you can get that uses a lot of organic ingredients. Uh, we have uh, tons of uh, choices in the uh, grocery aisles for uh, organic, local, sustainable products. And uh, we also like to think of ourselves as the friendliest stores in town. So uh, hopefully you get great service and, and a smile, too. Going back into sort of the history of the co-op, um, what was the reason? I, I understand that you have come on to Wheatsville in the 1990s after it had been around for a while. But I'm wondering if you know some of the history in terms of why was there a need for a co-op? Yeah, so I did start in 1998, but Wheatsville has been around since 1976. And uh, cooperatives were really a huge uh, movement in the 60s and 70s where um, people really wanted to have natural and organic foods, vegetarian foods, things that they weren't finding at the regular grocery stores. It's almost hard to imagine that there was a time when you couldn't get those things at grocery stores, but those of us that are old enough know that it was true. Um, and so uh, co-ops uh, started up as a way for people to get the kinds of uh, wholesome and organic foods that they couldn't get elsewhere and, you know, weird stuff like miso and tofu and things like that. And uh, uh, Wheatsville came out of a, a couple co-ops that had existed in the 60s and 70s in Austin uh, that uh, kind of faltered and failed for various reasons. Uh, but our founders got together in 1970, 
six and said, we want to have a co-op. We want it to be uh, strong and thrive and be a community grocery store for, for you know, decades. And so they set about doing that. Uh, started at 29th and Lamar in Austin, Texas, and then in 1991 moved to uh, 3101 Guadalupe, which is our um, current uh, store. Uh, and then in 2013, we opened a new store, our second store in South Austin on uh, 4001 South Lamar. And so that's, there's kind of a need for it, uh, of people looking for those kinds of foods they couldn't get elsewhere. And uh, over time, we've, we've grown to uh, offer other, other reasons to come here, including being the friendliest, but also uh, uh, having great food that, you know, people don't have to make at home and things like that. So I wanted to go back to what exactly a co-op is. I remember years ago I belonged to a food co-op where uh, people would sort of pool their money and then you would buy in bulk, something yeah. like that. Yeah, so those, that kind of a co-op is uh, what we normally refer to as like a buying club, they're often called, and they were really popular in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s. Uh, and there's a few around today in different parts of the country, but they're not as many as there used to be. But that was a real... Uh, that was kind of a classic example of people getting their needs met. They couldn't get the kinds of foods they were looking for, and they couldn't get a store open, but they got together once or twice a month to get an order from a, from a, a manufacturer or distributor, and, and they just distributed, the, you know, they got 50 pounds of oats, and they distributed it to all the families, or they got, you know, a giant tub of tofu and distributed it to the family or whatever, and uh, that's, uh, that's how a lot of food co-ops in the country kind of burgeoned out of or grew out of. Uh, in our case, we didn't come out of that, but other co-ops did. And uh, so a co-op is, uh, at its basic form, is a grouping of people getting together uh, to meet the needs that they couldn't do on their own. So it could be for any number of reasons. There are child care cooperatives, there's uh, credit unions are cooperatives, um, there are grocery cooperatives, food co-ops, um, there's a rural electric co-op. and so. Uh, these uh, kinds of uh, entities are essentially just, uh, they're member-owned and member-driven, so the difference, main difference being that um, they are all about the, whoever the membership structure is, and in our case, they're consumer owners. And so the thing that's really special about consumer ownership, I think, is that unlike most businesses where uh, consumers are just kind of uh, uh, what you need to operate the business because you need customers, uh, but the, it's really about driving uh, benefit to the investors uh, in, the, in a company. Uh, co-ops, the, the investors, the owners are the shoppers. And so that uh, is a really nice cycle and circle that we really like about it, that our shoppers are our owners and, and uh, things like excellent service and having great stores uh, is really our primary benefit to being an owner. Uh, and that's what we, we strive to serve our owners great uh, in a great manner because um, uh, they're our owners, you know, they're, they're, but, they, but they're also shoppers. So it's not like just, you know, Dan's grocery store, but it's, it's Dan and Mary and, and Sal and, you know, 20,000 other people. So Wheatsville is owned by 20,000 people here in, in Central Texas, mostly Austin. So people's neighbors and your friends uh, could be very well be owners of Wheatsville. And we're really, they're legitimate owners. Uh, the Texas law um, uh, considers them owners of the business, and it's a tiny part of the business, but they're still a part, and uh, that's uh, that's how co-ops work. You you talked about the current membership. Do you know? Uh, can you give us a picture of how it grew over the years? How many people started? Yeah. So, and uh, there was about a hundred people we think that were kind of the founding founding members. Um, a few of whom are still uh, shoppers today and still uh, involved. 
but over, but co-ops, especially in a town where there's a lot of uh, movement, where people come and go, uh, it's changed a lot. And, and so when I got here, we think there were probably around 5,000 owners. And then uh, in 2012, prior to opening South Lamar, we had about 12,000 owners. And uh, since opening in 2013, so you know, three years later, basically, we are at uh, over 20,000 owners. So uh, we've definitely, uh, uh, through a renovation that we did at Guadalupe in 2009, and then opening South Lamar, we've greatly expanded uh, ownership and, and connection to our shoppers. You're listening to Mothering Earth. My name is Saul Wakan, and I'm here with Dan Gelati, who is the chief executive grocer at the Wheatsville Co-op. Um, and uh, I was, uh, we were talking about what exactly a co-op is and the membership here at Wheatsville. Um, what do you hear from the members in terms of how they feel about the co-op? Do you get feedback? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that we strive really mightily to do is to make sure that we're listening to our owners and shoppers and listening to what they're saying and uh, uh, trying to uh, also hear what they're saying and, and uh, balance all the different varied needs that people have because uh, it's not just one person's co-op, it's everybody's co-op. And so uh, we hear a lot of things. We hear a lot of love for Wheatsville. And then we also uh, hear complaints and we want to we write those down too because we want to know those and want to find ways to improve. Right. Uh, we have a wish list at the front of our store where people can write in uh, items that they wish that we carried. And uh, often uh, we will, that's one of the first places we look at when we think about bringing in a new product because we want to, we really do want to carry what our, what our owners want and what our customers want. And so uh, you might see through the store little signs that say wish granted. And that's because it was on the wish list and we brought them in. Uh, and sometimes some of our best items come because a, an owner suggested them. Um, sometimes we hear from owners, uh, that they're really proud of the things that we do. Uh, they're really proud of our sustainability efforts. They're proud of our uh, livable wage that we pay our staff. Uh, we hear that a lot. Uh, and then sometimes when we're not doing things right, like we, um, uh, if they don't like a decision that we've made, I don't have an example for you at the moment, but uh, yeah, we hear about that too. And we strive to either explain, here's why we did this, and we're sorry that you don't like it, or uh, we, uh, we say, we're gonna fix it. As an owner, uh, you said, obviously, anyone can come to the store. Yeah, we love to have everybody shop here, yes, for sure. But owners... Uh, but owners... Stuff. So what do they get? What, yeah. what is that special stuff? So on one hand, owners uh, are part of our community in a very deep fashion. And so that's like the you know, the community radio model, right? They're, they're, they want to be part of this, this resource that they perceive as being very valuable. Uh, but other things that they get, uh, they vote for the board of directors and they vote for where uh, a large portion of our charitable giving goes to uh, annually. So that's something that doesn't happen at most businesses. That's called our community action program. Then uh, they also, uh, they can run for the board. So if people who want to be owners and they want to get even more deeply involved uh, beyond shopping or voting uh, could become a, a board member. We have nine uh, volunteer board members who are owners just like every other owner, but they uh, have decided to commit more deeply to the co-op and help govern this place. And uh, they're my boss and they, uh, they help set the long-term vision for the co-op and make sure that I'm uh, running the co-op in the way that's uh, in, uh, congruent with their values. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, uh, owners get uh, a newsletter mailed to them that is uh, informational, usually has recipes and information about the co-op in it. 
and uh, we have uh, two times a year we do these owner appreciation days when owners get uh, 20% discounts uh, off, off their shops and it's a huge financial benefit for folks on those two days uh, per year or two weeks, uh, two periods per year that it happens. Um, and then uh, there are special owner deals that happen only for staff, uh, only for owners throughout the store. So owners get uh, a deal on uh, you know 20 or 30 items a, a, a week that uh, other uh, regular customers don't get access to unless they join. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here with Dan Gelati, who is the chief executive grocer at the Wheatsville Co-op, and right now it's time for a break. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here today with Dan Gelati, who is the chief executive grocer at the Wheatsville Co-op. And we were talking about sustainability, and uh, one of the specific thoughts I had was, uh, as a a grocery store, of course, you have items that go out of date. And so uh, what happens to that? What happens to that? Several years ago, uh, we realized that uh, we needed to try to do something to uh, reduced the amount of waste that was uh, leaving our store in, in the dumpster. And so we investigated kind of two pathways and, and implemented two pathways. Uh, one is that we, uh, prior to the new city rule, we implemented uh, compost and recycling uh, for our customers at the store. So uh, when they're eating at Wheatsville or when we're producing in our deli or our meat department or whatever produce, uh, we compost uh, all the possible product that we can in that regard, and then we recycle uh, everything that we possibly can, uh, even though uh, that's not required uh, up till recently. It wasn't required by the city of Austin. It is now, so that's good. But we were on the far bleeding edge of that for many years. Uh, and so the other thing that we do, aside from uh, recycling and composting, is that we divert uh, a fair amount of usable food uh, to food pantries. We have a person that comes in every morning and picks up uh, our bread, our baked goods, um, anything, uh, cans that uh, are uh, either you know slightly out of date or you know, slightly damaged or something like that, and it goes to a, uh, several food pantries that then uh, use them to help uh, feed people in need. So a tremendous amount of uh, diversion uh, that way. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, that's the main way, that just this, these kind of two paths. Either it becomes compost and gets utilized that way, or it actually gets eaten by people, which we prefer. Uh, but uh, at the same time, we do run a nice grocery store, and people do expect full and abundant displays, and so we are going to always have some amount of waste, and, and we think we're doing a, a relatively good job, and certainly better than most, at uh, diverting that in appropriate ways, sustainable ways. Right. And then uh, you have some other sustainability initiatives. Can you talk about those as yeah, well? Yeah, so I'll just pick, we have a lot of things we do, but I'll pick a couple that I think are, are kind of uh, more interesting to a, a listener of this podcast or radio program. Uh, concrete parking lots. So at our Guadalupe store, that we control that whole plaza, that whole area, we uh, decided not to use asphalt. We decided to put in concrete. And we like concrete because it's recyclable. Uh, we like concrete because it's light reflective. 
And so uh, that kind of choice is one that's extremely unsexy, um, but actually has impact, we think. And uh, it also doesn't require as much care over time. So uh, that's good for our financially. Uh, there's a more in, in the beginning you got to put in, but over time there's not as much repair, but it also means less of that uh, you know, oily uh, uh, black waste that gets used on asphalt uh, over and over and over again. You see uh, parking lots getting repaired. So we like that about the Guadalupe store. The Lamar store has a tremendous amount of natural lighting. We use this product called Solar Tubes that uh, uh, refract light 57,000 ways or whatever to make a very bright display even on overcast days. Uh, and so uh, throughout our store, uh, there it's very bright, but it's uh, primarily lit during the day by uh, these solar tubes and uh, skylights. Uh, we like those features. So I'm sorry, a solar tube is what? Like it's a basically skylight? just a hole through the floor, but uh, but through the ceiling. I'm sorry, but it uh, has a special of uh, like fiber optics, and it bounces the light off in a way that magnifies the. Uh, uh, illumination from it. So pretty cool. So if you look up here at the Lamar store, you'll see that. Uh, we're part of the Austin Energy's uh, Green Choice Program. We're one of the uh, uh, we're the 29th uh, largest retail store using uh, green power. So we feel really good about that. We're happy that Austin offers that and we're happy to be part of that program. Uh, we recycle all of our used cooking, cooking oil. Uh, we use energy efficient coolers and refrigerators. Uh, so those are some of the things that we do uh, we offer bulk products. That's actually a pretty important thing. People can buy as much or as little as they like without packaging, and they can bring in their own uh, containers, and we encourage that. So, You mentioned this earlier where the co-op donates money to community groups. Yeah, so part of our about? mission of uh, concern for community is a co-op value that we, a co-op principle that we believe in. And so we demonstrate that in, in lots of ways, but one major way is through our community action program. Uh, this program was developed uh, probably 10 years ago at this point, uh, where we donate, uh, our owners pick a, a, a charitable organization uh, for each month of the year, and uh, we donate a, a, a certain amount of money to that organization. And then at the registers, our cashiers invite customers to demonstrate generosity and uh, round up their purchases to contribute to these uh charitable organizations. And so last year, we were able to raise $81,000 through our contribution and uh, just people rounding up their nickels and dimes at the register. Uh, it's been great. The cashiers love doing it. Our owners seem to like it. And the community groups really cherish that direct funding that we provide. And so indirectly, we're helping uh, teach people about how to grow organic food through Urban Roots, and we're helping people keep the parks uh, in good shape through the Austin Parks Foundation, and we're helping um, uh, women and children uh, through domestic uh, abuse issues with uh, safe space, a safe place, and things like that. So, uh, We were talking earlier about uh, how many co-ops there are in this area, and you told me that this is the only one in... Uh, Austin? Yeah, we're the only retail food co-op in Texas, uh, okay. as far as we can tell uh, at this point. There's there's about 150 other food co-ops in the country that we're part of a national co-op grocers association with. Uh, and there's uh, maybe another you know 100 food co-ops around, but um, uh, we are the only consumer food co-op uh, in Texas. What is the most uh, difficult thing that you have to do in your job? That's a good question. I think uh, in some ways probably our job is challenging as any small businesses. Uh, we have definitely grown over the years, but we're still a relatively small business in the scheme of things. And especially in the grocery industry, it's all giant uh, players like HEB or Whole Foods or whatever. And 
So I think uh, we strive and struggle to, to be a great grocer, to be the friendliest store in town, but also challenged by uh, people wanting the cheapest possible groceries and uh, those kinds of things. So balancing our values with a, a financial value for people, I think, is pretty challenging. And then I think beyond that, uh, balancing the different needs of people where we have a lot of very uh, strongly opinionated and activist owners, and if they feel really strongly about an issue, um, but they might be a small portion of our shoppers, then balancing that issue of like, we get that you're really upset about this, but there's a lot of other people that want to buy this product, and uh, there's you know, we we aren't just driven by one person or ten people's uh, view of of how to operate, and so that's a hard. Those are hard conversations sometimes with people because they. They do have high expectations as a cooperative that we're going to do what they want us to do. And we generally are, but in a much sort of more aggregate fashion than just kind of what one or ten people want. So that's a challenge, I think. Those, those two things are tough. Are there um, uh, challenges in terms of finding sustainable products? Do you ever, because you talked about sustainably raised fish and, uh, and meat and I don't know what other products like that. Um, do you ever run into any challenges there? Yeah, sourcing is definitely a, a thing that we we have people that are spending their full time jobs on sourcing uh, local and organic and sustainable products, and we have great supply in a lot of cases or in a lot of ways. But there's always more that we'd want and and uh, more that we'd like to sell. So I think we are always on the lookout for more local growers who can grow. Uh, you know, a certain amount of quantity we need. Uh, we can't have somebody just bringing in zucchini, you know, once a month or something. We need every, you know, grocery store needs product all the time. And so kind of building that level of supply is tricky. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily need another local salsa, but we could definitely use, oh, if you have a great local salsa, maybe we want it. <laughs> could be. Uh, we like great stuff regardless of how much we have of it. Um, and then I think uh, we are, I think, consistently looking for ways to improve uh uh, yeah, just improve the, the product flow, whatever we're getting. We're looking for uh, people that are growing you know, better stuff uh, in more sustainable or more interesting ways. Uh, if they're providing a quantity that we can sell, if we could replace a California product with a local product, we really strive to do that. And I think you know, one of the things we've discovered over the years is even though a lot of places have gotten on the local bandwagon, for instance, as one thing that's happened in the past several years around here, we think that our authentic approach is still better, that our enthusiasm for local knows almost no bounds. And uh, people tell us that even though they sell their products at other stores, that they typically sell a lot through us because we're so enthusiastic about their local products. And so we, we think we continue on to develop those local relationships. And if we're dealing with somebody from a way that we're, that we're dealing with some uh, building of sustainable relations with the people. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. I'm here with Dan Gelati, who is the chief executive grocer at the Wheatsville Co-op. Um, and I'm wondering uh, if you can talk about what your hopes are for your hopes and I guess the board's hopes for the future for the co-op. Yeah, so we have a strategic plan called Wheatsville's Big Direction. Uh, big stands for business is good, meaning that uh, business is good financially, that we're financially stable and thriving, but also that as a cooperative that we do good things with our business. And that uh, approach is to amplify the good that we're having, the positive impact that we're having through more stores. 
So our second store at South Lamar was part of that. And we're hoping to have additional stores in the future that help us to magnify this impact that we're, or amplify this impact that we're already having uh, through local, uh, more local organic sustainable food, uh, more cooperative economy, and more happy people. Um, and it seems that uh, part of the mission is not just to supply the food, but also that you have uh, information about the food. And I'd like to talk about how that's related to sustainability. Yeah, so one of our, uh, part of our mission is to uh, supply uh, not just high quality food, but also non-doctrinaire information to the people of Austin, Texas. And uh, the non-doctrinaire part is interesting, and it goes back to our founding where we were really trying to be careful about having one single um, standard uh, approach where we're, you know, we weren't vegetarian, though some co-ops were, and we weren't, you know, no sugar like some co-ops were, and we, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't interested in being food police per se, we were more interested in being a community grocery store. But what has come out of that is the idea that just giving people information about where their stuff comes from is important. So uh, we put uh, on our local products, we indicate how far away they come from Wheatsville. Because some people care about the food, food miles that things travel. And, and uh, we try to highlight those items. Uh, we also uh, want to provide information about products that are produced by cooperatives. So we try to highlight those items for people to see. Uh, we're, we're big supporters of the non-GMO project uh, because we've heard our owners saying they want to know what's in their products. We don't really necessarily take a stand against GMOs per se. Like We don't have an opinion of whether they're evil or anything, but we know that people want to know. And so we demonstrate that as much as possible by carrying non-GMO labeled products. Those are some of the things that we try to do. That's all we have time for today. Send any comments or suggestions for future shows to me at gardentoad at vcyes.com. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth. Music